Father, we pray that um, you will help us to continue to make room for you. And we ask that you will inspire us to make room for you. As we hear your word proclaimed and as we hear your voice speaking, as as we continue in worship, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Most of us love surprises. Christmas is a day for surprises. And most of us love to give surprises, especially at Christmas. It's fun to watch someone open something that they have no idea what it is, and you're excited as you've gone through the process of finding it and getting it and wrapping it and all the things, and it's exciting. It's sometimes as exciting to give as to receive. And I suspect that maybe you were surprised on Christmas Day by what you didn't receive. And maybe you were surprised by what you did receive. Like the woman whose husband asked her what she wanted for Christmas. And she didn't want to be too pushy. She said, oh, I don't know, just surprise me. And so Christmas morning, about 3 o'clock, he woke up, leaned over to her and went, boo! (laughs) As a side note, guys, if you're thinking of doing that next year, probably not a good idea as your big gift for your wife. Maybe you're surprised by what you opened on Christmas morning because it was exactly what you wanted. Maybe you're surprised because it was exactly what you didn't want. Maybe you have a closet full of surprises that you didn't want. But maybe you received something that was just right. And maybe there are surprises that you're looking at and thinking, I don't know exactly how to react to that. But after a while, it becomes something that you really appreciate and enjoy and like. Those are the kinds of surprises that we tend to find throughout the biblical story of God and his people. At the time, it seems sort of strange what God is doing with his people. But later, it makes perfect sense. Noah, build an ark. Abraham, Sarah, leave your home and your family. Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Joshua, have the people march around the walls of Jericho for seven days. Gideon, send most of those soldiers home. You don't really need them. Daniel, don't worry about those lions. I've got it under control. But surely there is no more surprise-laden event in the Scriptures than the birth that we continue to celebrate. The entire nativity story is one surprise after another. And some of the surprises are good, some of them are strange, some of them are perplexing. Mary's surprised when the angel visits her and tells her that she's going to bear a child. The first words out of her mouth are, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Put that in the 21st century English. Are you out of your mind? Surprise. Joseph is surprised to discover that his sweet, innocent, lovely young bride-to-be is pregnant. And he knows he's not the father. And I'm sure she's telling him the whole story He's thinking, really? 
you know, would you believe her? Someone was telling me the other day of hearing a story about a woman who went to the doctor for abdominal pain and they discovered that she was having a baby right then. And to this day, the woman swears she did not know she was pregnant. She has no idea how it happened. Now, we're all listening to this story and almost in unison, we say, right. Oh, yeah, sure. Come on. Now, then it hit me. That has to be. How Joseph reacted to, and other people reacted to Mary. An angel? The Messiah? The Holy Spirit? Yeah, right. Come on. Surprise. And then an angel appears to Joseph in a dream, and he says, Joseph, it's okay. It's true. Mary's telling you the truth. Surprise. They're both surprised to have to leave the the comfort and security of their home to go to Bethlehem. They're surprised to find that the first breath of this special child is probably among livestock. They're surprised that their first visitors are shepherds, outcasts among their people, and surprised at all the things that the shepherds tell them about angels singing in the field at night. They're surprised when they're visited by Gentile astrologers who leave them with these amazing gifts. And as the son of theirs moves into public ministry, they're surprised as they hear his teaching that goes against the grain of all that a traditional rabbi, Jewish rabbi would do and say. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And you get the feeling that their lives are just one giant surprise after another. But the surprise of the story not limited to Mary and Joseph. As the people of Israel await the Messiah's coming, they're looking for someone great. The prophets make that clear. But the people are surprised at the means that God takes in revealing his greatness. To most people, greatness is measured by wealth and fame and success and power. Human beings have lived their lives to accumulate these things since sin first entered the world in the Garden of Eden. And so they look for a king in a palace, a ruler on a throne, not a baby in a manger. Think of how the heads of state typically travel. It takes dozens of people working around the clock and costs millions of dollars in order to protect them and to accommodate all of their needs and desires. And when they arrive in a, at a foreign airport, bands play and soldiers salute and the red carpet's rolled out and those who are most important in that nation Greet them and shake hands with them and welcome them. But Luke tells us that when Jesus is born, Mary laid him in a manger because there was no room. The Christmas story shouts loud and clear that we worship a God who loves to surprise us. Martin Luther speaks to this element of surprise by reminding us that the true Christian religion does not begin at the top as all other religions do. It begins at the bottom. It's what Paul is is telling the Philippians when he says that Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. But if God loves surprises so much, and if this is the typical way in which God works, then what do we do about it? 
How do we respond? How do we prepare and react? Let me suggest a couple of things. One of them is we trust. We trust all that all the surprises have a purpose for good. And that God knows what he's doing, even when it seems to us that he might not know what he's doing. You ever wonder why God is so enamored with surprising us? One reason is that he surprises us so often in order to teach us to trust him. If life always progressed as we wanted, as we planned, there'd be no need to trust. He surprises us because we struggle with pride. We struggle with believing that we've got life and God and people all figured out and all under control. And God's surprises are his means of, I think, keeping us a little bit off balance so that we have to trust him. And that we're more readily willing and able to trust him. And out of this trust, we find intimacy with him. And in that intimacy, we discover the deepest levels of peace and joy from the one who loves us so much, he becomes one of us. I'm coming to realize more and more that our problem with control and our frustration with God's surprising ways is that we still wrestle to believe that God is good. And that the surprises God sends us are good. And that God's surprises and God's ways far exceed our plans and our ideas and our perspective about what is good. So instead of welcoming his intervention into our lives as a means of experiencing more of his grace and love, we shy away from his surprises because they make us feel uncomfortable. Because they don't meet our expectations because they don't seem to follow the path that we prefer. But in the process of being safe and comfortable and in control, we miss so much of life's excitement and fulfillment of what God wants to give us. It's most often through the surprises of God's plans that we see his power and mercy and grace and love most clearly. It's in the unexpected, the unplanned, the out of our comfort zone things that we see God's nature and character, his love for us, his grandiose plans for us, his miraculous power to save us and his dreams for us that far exceed anything we could ever dream up on our own. Without the surprises, all we get is what we can dream and what we can think and what we can plan and what we can do. How many times has something happened in your life that you don't understand? Maybe you even maybe you even felt angry at God about it happening. You're frustrated with God because it feels like he cares so little for why else would he let this take place? He feels absent, uninterested. And then one day you come to see that it was only because of that unexpected, undesired, unplanned, unwanted event that God did a work in you or through you that simply couldn't have happened any other way. God's desire for us is transformation. 
And out of that transformation flows joy and peace and hope. He comes so that we who are in bondage to sin and all the pain and heartache that accompanies our sin can be set free of it. He takes on human flesh and bone so that in him we might know his love and trust his goodness and become new creatures. Even when we don't understand everything that's happening. As the surprises keep rolling at them, Mary and Joseph seem to continue to respond, I don't understand, but okay, I'll have the child. I don't really understand, but okay, I'll take her as my wife. We don't really understand, but we'll go to Bethlehem as Caesar commands. We don't really understand, but if there's no room, you'll take care of us. We don't really understand why these shepherds are here, but we praise you because we believe that you, O Lord, are good. So whatever the surprise, whatever the packaging of the surprise may look like, we trust because we believe that God is good. Second, we prepare ourselves for the surprises by slowing down so that we can see God in them. Mary's response to the shepherds has always intrigued me. Verse 19 tells us, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I suspect that by the time the shepherds leave to go back to their flocks, Mary and Joseph are on surprise overload. The journey has been overwhelming from the first visit of the angel to the last moments of the shepherds crowding around the manger. No wonder Mary treasures up all these things and ponders. Those are interesting words, treasure and ponder. The words that Luke uses to describe Mary's response. The word translated treasured means to preserve a thing, to keep it from from perishing or being lost. It's to guard something, keep it safe. You keep it in your mind so it isn't forgotten. And you do this, of course, only because what you're protecting and guarding and keeping safe is valuable to you. This experience and the words of the shepherd are are valuable to Mary. She doesn't want to forget them. She doesn't want to forget this experience. And so she guards them. She keeps them. She protects them in her mind. And the word translated ponder is to bring together ideas by conversing or conferring with another person. It's a a word you can use to talk about arguing or fighting. It's It's to resolve something in your mind and to go through the process of trying to figure it out. Words and ideas are coming at you and you're trying to to understand their meaning, their significance, their message. You want to understand what's been done or said. So you run all the possibilities around in your mind. You consider all the options, all the answers. You consider what all of this might mean. You think it out as to what it might be. And so as the shepherds make their way out the door, Mary sits and rests and thinks about all they've said and all that's happened And she ponders. The New Living Translation has verse 19 this way. Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The NIV Reader's Edition says, Mary kept all these things like a secret treasure in her heart. She thought about them over and over. 
She has to be thinking, so God has done something I can't really grasp. God's at work here. I need to let God's presence and message through these shepherds and through everything that's taken place speak to me. And sometimes the only way to understand the meaning and purpose of the mysterious and the surprising things of God is to step back, to take time to meditate on them, slow down, to value them as treasure and give your time and energy and thoughts to them. Now, while Mary is treasuring and pondering all these things, we have no indication of what Joseph is doing. He's a man, so he's probably doing something with his hands. He's building something. He's doing something. And that's not unimportant. We need to do things. But we also need to treasure and ponder. And I suspect that in our culture, we have a greater need for treasuring and pondering than for doing. We're experts at doing. We are professional doers. We have schedules and plans and action steps and talking points. We know how to do. We aren't typically as good at treasuring and pondering. It's no wonder we struggle so much with God's surprises. It's Mary's treasuring and pondering that holds her steady as they're called to Egypt and then go back to Nazareth. It's her treasuring and pondering that holds them steady when they're heading back home and they can't find Jesus. And they go back to Jerusalem and there he is in the temple debating with the religious leaders. He's 12 years old. And as Jesus goes off to ministry and does so in a way that she really doesn't understand and she witnesses the cross and the empty tomb... It's the treasuring and the pondering that reminds her of God's promises. God's power and God's goodness gets her through. Now, the year ahead of us is going to bring more of God's surprises to us. If we haven't taken any time to treasure and ponder the things of God, we're going to struggle with those surprises. We need to ponder and treasure the good things, the positive things, those times that we clearly see God at work and to hold them dear and to keep them in our minds and to think about them often so that when the difficult struggle times come, we can hang on to those times when we saw God so clearly. We can hang our faith and our hope on them. For they remind us that God has been faithful and that he will continue to be faithful. We see that as we ponder and treasure the scriptures and the history of God's people and our own experiences. Surprises call for treasuring and pondering. Sometimes you just need to step back and ask, God, what am I supposed to do with this? How do I respond to all of this? What are you looking for from me? And we ask ourselves, how am I handling He surprises. Can I let God do what he wants to do? Can I be content to trust when it feels like everything is slipping away from me? Can I believe that God is in this? That God is working when I can't see him, when I can't hear him, when I can't feel him? How do I trust when it seems as though everything is turned upside down? How do I trust when what I've done and what I believe is right And I've done what's right. 
And it feels like it's all crashing in around me. It's in those times that we need to have treasured and pondered to hang on to the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Without time to ponder the surprises of life, we fail to give thanks in the good times. We fail to trust God in the difficult times. And both of those failings are spiritually destructive to us. Meditating, treasuring, and pondering the surprising ways of God helps us see God in all of the things of life, in the good and the bad, in the easy and the hard, in the comforting or in the painful. Treasuring and pondering helps us to remember that when we can't figure things out, when we can't understand why God is letting this happen, when we just don't get it, we can still trust that God is the master at taking what is bad and using it to bring more good than we could have ever imagined. When we commit ourselves to treasuring and pondering the things of God, it's amazing how much more willing we become to accept and to receive all the surprises. Remember the campaign for Holiday Inn a few years back? Their their campaign ad was, the best surprise is no surprise at all. The best surprise is no surprise at all. And it was their promise that if you visit one of their holiday inns in some out-of-the-way or new place, they'll make you feel like it's a place where you've always been. They'll make you feel like it's home. And you know, when you're traveling, that's a nice thing. Thinking about that ad... Someone made the comment, it always has raised in my mind the question, is life to be lived as an adventure? Or do we want to live in a more familiar, domesticated landscape? As believers, is it safety we seek? Or is it adventure with Jesus? Here's the thing. If you're going to be a part of God's people, there really is no safe road. There really is no easy way because God is going to bring surprises to us. God is going to bring things into our lives that are unplanned, unexpected, and often hard for us to figure out. But we have to trust and believe that that unplanned, unexpected, surprising journey with God is going to lead us to something bigger and greater and more wonderful. And if we choose to take some kind of safe, easy road that we've made for ourselves. I guarantee you that as difficult as this journey is for Joseph and Mary, I don't think they would trade anything because God was at work. Because of this journey, they saw God, they experienced God in ways that just simply would not have happened without it. See, we want safe. God wants far more than that. We want good. God wants best. 
We want to encircle ourselves with boundaries. God wants to set us free. We want our limited, finite way. God wants his unlimited, infinite, eternal purposes in every one of us. Christmas tells us there's no price too high, no sacrifice too great, no humiliation too painful that God is willing to take to communicate to us his love and his goodness and his transforming power and to remind us, to instill within us that he is good. Gracious Father, we pray that you will help us to see and to know and to experience that you are good. Father, as we prepare to face a new year, having no idea what lies before us, We rejoice in you. We give you thanks that you are good and you are with us. We pray that you will help us in the grace of Christ. Amen.